Once a little girl was walking with her mother in the autumn, in the fall, this time of year when all the different leaves of the trees turn all different colors in a beautiful rainbow vision. And this girl, little girl, looked up her mother and said, Ma, what makes the leaves turn different colors? So the mother responded that there's these pigments, chlorophyll or something in the leaves and this photosynthesis when the sun hits the leaves and the cold weather and then changes the colors and she gave this whole scientific explanation. And the little girl looked up at her mother with wide eyes and said, but Ma, Grandma says that God has a great big paintbrush and he paints every leaf individually. That's the anecdote. The question is, we have to ask, who's right? Is the mother right with the scientific explanation of the photosynthesis and the sunlight and the cold, etc., etc.? Or is the grandmother right that God has a great big paintbrush that God paints each leaf individually? Who's right? And of course, the answer is, they're both right. If you say that just the mother is right, that it's just the science, then you're a heretic. If you say that just the grandmother is right, that it's God painting it, but without the science, you're a fool. Of course the science is true, but one has to have a true hashkafa, a correct view of the relationship of God to the science, so to speak, of the world, to the workings of the world. And that is, that Tzemach Tzedek explains in Derech Mitzvah the Mitzvah of Mila, that is how one circumcises reality. By having a deep understanding and a true vision, a true way to look at the world, to understand the relationship of the world to God, to cut away how nature conceals God, that vision is called circumcising reality. Because, of course, we understand that the science... Nature is the foreskin. Nature signs the way it is now with, with an external look. If only one looks at the chitzonius, the externality of creation, then nature is the foreskin that's concealing the truth of God. But by understanding the unity of God with nature, how nature is nothing other than Hashem's light, that's how one circumcises reality. One cuts away the concealment, that that the world seems to conceal Hashem. Let's understand this a little deeper, the way that Samach Tzedek explains it there. So he brings the famous Rambam. It's the Rambam at the beginning of the laws of Avodah Zarah, the laws of paganism. The Rambam says there, gives a whole historical account of how paganism began. How did Avodah Zarah start? What possessed people so all of a sudden to decide that they want to bow down to sticks and stones? Like the line from Jerry Seinfeld when Seinfeld says, Who is the first person to taste milk? Like who all of a sudden said, The next thing that comes out of that animal, I'm drinking. So that's obviously a joke, but the truth is the Ramam is asking, how did paganism begin? How did people all of a sudden say, yeah, you see that stick over there? That's God. How did that happen? And especially bearing in mind that like the Torah teaches us that when did paganism begin? When did Avodah Zarah start? In the days of Enosh. In the days of Enosh. Enosh was Adam, Adamarishan's grandson. And yet in his day already, people started bowing down to stones. What does that mean? How did that happen? So the Rambam explains that it's because they made a tremendous mistake. Ta'u. 
Beneha Adam Tauz Godol, mankind made a tremendous terrible mistake. Meaning the Rambam is telling us that the way to paganism is pushed from a mistaken view, a mistaken, a Tauz, a mistaken way of looking at reality. A mistaken how to view nature, view, meaning that one views nature uncircumcised. With the Arla, with the foreskin stills there, they saw, they made a mistake like that, and that's what brought about paganism. What was the mistake they made? So the Rambam explains. They saw how God had delegated his authority to nature. In other words, they saw that the sun, the moon, stars make things grow. If I were to ask you, what makes things grow? The sun. I mean, like we said, the scientific natural explanation, of course, is the sun. And there are some crops that grow because of the moon. The moon helps them grow. But generally, all of nature, all of the vegetative world, from the smallest blades of grass to the hugest cedar trees, all of them grow because of the sun and the moon. And it's not just the way that we're, we view the world like that. The Torah says it. In Parshas V'zayis Bracha, the Torah says, Umi meged shemesh, umi meged means the sweetness in the crops that come from the sun, and the sweetness that comes from the moon. That there are some crops, vegetables, etc., that need the power of the moon to make things grow. And Bechlal, we know the sages teach us that which means that you don't have one blade of grass that doesn't have a star that corresponds to it. Every blade of grass has another star or mazel that corresponds to it that's making that blade of grass grow. So if we're to say, do the sun, the moon, the stars, do they have an effect on the world? Yes, the Torah says it. So that means they understood that God delegated his authority. Of course, everything comes from God, they understood. But now God gave the power to make things grow to the sun, the moon, the stars. Now, of course, we believe, as the Rambam himself says at the beginning of Mishnah Torah, we believe that the sun, the moon, and the stars are intelligent beings. They're beings that have awareness of self and awareness of their creator. As the Rambam says that the planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, they're sentient beings below angels but above man. They have more of a revelation of God than man but not as much as angels. And so mankind understood and saw that the sun, the moon, the stars, these beings up in the heavens have a direct effect on nature and what's happening in the world. And they understood that this star is what makes cucumbers grow and this star is what makes tomatoes grow. And I want tomatoes or cucumbers. I, I, that, that's my crop. So therefore, if I'm on that level, which of course mankind was on a more exalted spiritual plane than all of mankind, they were able to perceive how this star is what's bringing about cucumbers. And then they made the following argument in their heads. They understood like this. Let's say you have a king. The king rules over millions of people. The king himself can't rule over millions of people in his far-out provinces and lands. So what does the king do? He appoints governors. He delegates his authority. He appoints governors that this governor is the governor of this province. Now even the governor can't rule an entire province, the governor appoints mayors of towns. Now, if you want a variance in your house, you want to, you know, get something, get more, less taxes, more money, you're not going to go speak to the king. 
You're not even going to go speak to the governor. You'll speak to the mayor because the mayor is the one in this town that has the authority. And whose authority does the mayor have? The king's authority. If one were to spit at the mayor, one is spitting against the rule of the king. So therefore, the mankind in the days of Enosh said, well, God appointed the sun to be in charge of these crops and the moon to be in charge of these crops and this star to be in charge of these crops. So we have to honor those agents of the king, those who the king delegated his authority to. Honoring the mayor is honoring the king. And therefore they said, well, this star has the power to make crops grow. So I'm going to build a monument to the star. Not that I don't believe in, of course I believe in God. They believed in God still. But they believed that God had appointed this star as in charge of making cucumbers grow. So let's honor this star. And that's how paganism began. But the question is, what was their mistake? The Torah does say that the sun and the moon and the stars make things grow. How does that bring to paganism? Mitzvah Shem will understand tomorrow.